0: and you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash slash film. Hello, everyone. and Welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news and also opening up the mailbag and answering some listener questions. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at slashfilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista.
1: Hello. I'm sorry that my title is so wordy now. I feel bad that you haven't
0: no. it. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. Right. I love it. Um, okay. So uh, there's only two news items that I wanted to talk to you about today, Chris. And the first of which uh, is a, a, a sequel has been announced for a new movie. Uh, why don't you tell me about that one?
1: Yes. It's The Tomorrow War, a film that uh, came out on Amazon Prime Video over the, uh, the holiday weekend. And it did very well according to several different sources. It's always hard to track streaming things because Amazon won't, release official numbers and neither will you know netflix pretty much no streaming service wants to release their official numbers but
0: yeah i saw um chris pratt i think it was on instagram maybe it was on twitter say that it was like the number one movie in america and i'm like by what metric like how, how is that even possible that you can say that but anyway go on whatever
1: whatever you say chris pratt but yeah so apparently this was a big hit which means uh they're already talking about a sequel. Which, um, you know, on one level, it seems like a no-brainer because, like I just said, it was a hit. On another level, it's kind of odd because that movie, have you seen the movie, Ben? Did you watch it?
0: I have not, and I can't decide if I want to because I've heard so many mixed things. I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, listen, this is not a great movie, but it's still a lot of fun. Did you see it? Where do you fall I on I did. That?
1: I watched it. I did not. I did not think it was that fun. Um, Sam Richardson is in it. He's on, you know, I think he should leave in a bunch of other mm-hmm. comedy things. And he's great. He, like, steals the movie, but he's not in it enough to make the movie worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Like, the majority of the movie is Chris Pratt running around, and I really wish chris pratt would stop doing this action hero thing like look i i think chris pratt can be a funny charming guy when he's playing you know like a goofball like he did on parks and rec but Mm -hmm. the minute he got you know jacked and started playing you know cool guys it it just doesn't work and i feel like i i'm going off on a rant here but i feel like they took like the wrong message from guardians of the galaxy because yes he got ripped for that movie but he's still like a goofball in that movie he's still kind of an idiot and no one has seemed to be able to realize that like that's that's the secret to making a chris pratt character work he has to be kind of an idiot and in this movie he plays like a scientist so it's like i'm i'm not buying chris pratt the scientist yeah i think
0: part of the reason the guardians thing works so well is because that character thinks he is really cool but he's actually kind of not exactly yeah
1: that's that's a great uh yeah encapsulation because like you watch like him in Jurassic world. And he stinks in that. Cause he's playing like a, you know, a generic cool guy and then mm-hmm. he rides a motorcycle. He's got a leather vest and he's just so bland in that. And this is sort of like the same thing. Um, so that's a long way of me saying, uh, I didn't really like the movie that much, but, uh, the point I was getting at is the movie without giving away spoilers, it has a very definitive ending. So I have no idea how they're going to make a sequel to this, but that hasn't stopped, you know, other movies before from, from going <laughs> ahead with it.
0: Okay. Yeah. um, If you guys out there listening to this episode uh, have thoughts about a sequel or maybe like, you know, some some fake pitches for us for where you'd like to see this thing go, uh, I would love to hear them. And um, maybe if you want to try to convince me to to actually watch the movie, if if you're a big enough fan of the first movie that you think it has uh, enough merit. Um, I would love to hear and, and read your um, your explanations there too. If you want to shoot us an email, that would be awesome. Uh, all right. So then, the only other news item is a a new musical adaptation. I guess this is the this is technically a remake uh, is also in the works. Chris, tell me about that one.
1: The remake is Guys and Dolls, which um, it originated as a Broadway musical in 1950. And then it was turned into a film in 1955 starring Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra. And there has been talk of a potential remake of this for a long time. Uh, A few years ago, uh, I think it was Warner Brothers uh, owned the rights. I should look at the story because it's right in front of me. Let's see. (laughs) So, yeah, sorry, it was 20th Century Fox. Good thing I looked this up, so I wasn't a complete fool. So 20th Century Fox had the rights, and they wanted Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt to star in the remake. But then the Disney-Fox merger came around. That sort of put the movie on hold. And as a result, uh, 20th Century Fox lost the rights to this film. And when they lost it, TriStar Pictures swooped in. And bought the rights and now they have it and now they're making the remake and they've brought in Bill Condon, who directed Dreamgirls and the the live action Beauty and the Beast to direct this film.
0: So have you seen the original movie with Sinatra and, and I, have, guys? Yeah, okay. I saw it
1: when I was, when I was younger,
0: I think I saw it also like in, in a high school drama class or something, maybe like the first half of it and I never finished it. But then, uh, I, f- I finally got around to watching it. I don't know, maybe a couple years ago or something now. Um, and I really enjoyed it for the most part. I think the, there's a romance in this movie that is, uh, to call it a whirlwind romance is, um, is like doing a disservice to the word whirlwind. It's like, it's so wild how little time passes and how, Deeply, these two characters just completely fall head over heels for each other, uh, and I won't say which characters in case in, anybody is uh, interested in, in you know visiting it's, it's, the older it's story. It's
1: Frank Sinatra but. and Marlon Brando. They <laughs> fall in love with each other.
0: It's a very very uh, subversive 1950 movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, what do you, what do you think about the idea of a modern version of this story, Chris? Because I feel like it worked. You know, it, it's a it's a um this, like I said, this movie came out in, in the 50s, and it's like a throwback movie it was it was a throwback even then so yeah, now it's like it's, a super throwback
1: right because i believe it's set in the 20s even though i it think so in. and uh it's it's considerably uh not very woke like the romance you're talking about mm-hmm. it's like based on a bet and i feel like you can't get away with that now but i'm guessing they'll have to make it a period piece like, i can't imagine like modern day guys and dolls like, i mean i'm sure someone has thought of that and i'm sure it would be awful but I, if they are going to do this i i hope they they keep it you know set in the 20s because i mean like prohibition is like part of the plot like you can't really mm-hmm. do that so it, they kind of have to do that so uh but I, I don't know i i mean bill condon i i kind of like his non-musicals more than his musicals like he directed um gods and monsters he directed (laughs) Candyman 2 which i really like wow okay (laughs) so i i kind of prefer his his uh non-musical so i don't really know how excited i can get about him doing a new musical but i guess it's going to depend on you know who who they cast in this Mm -hmm. film i i kind of hope they they go after uh channing tatum again just because it seems insane that he has yet to be in a musical you know he's charming he can dance like why has no one put that yeah. guy in a musical yet it seems like a no brainer so it makes
0: no sense at all yeah. especially after um Hail Caesar where he had right. that really brief uh song and dance number and he was so good in that but Yeah. Um, All right. So let's get into the mailbag, Chris. We have a a big backlog of stuff. Um, You guys have been great about sending in uh, a ton of feedback and or yeah, feedback and questions and all sorts of stuff. So let's get into some of these here. Uh, Matt from Wisconsin writes, hey, guys, on a recent episode, you mentioned how great of a movie Iron Man three is despite the hate it gets from so many hardcore Marvel fans. Are there any other movies you guys can think of that get a lot of love from film fans for just being a good movie, but are despised by its fanboys for breaking the mold? The only one other one I can think of is Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, yeah, so that's that's the essence of the question there, Chris. Do you, can you think of anything else that sort of fits this uh, these criteria? I mean,
1: yeah, Star Wars The Last Jedi is, is probably like the prime example. Um, it's tough because so much of these opinions are... I feel like all of us, including me, don't realize how how little Twitter represents the real world. <laughs> yeah, I have to remind like,
0: myself of it every single day. Like
1: I know it seems like everyone is on Twitter, but uh, the majority of the, the world's population is not on Twitter. And I feel like a lot of us get like wrapped up in this thing where we're just like, oh, I saw it on Twitter. Must, everyone must be thinking this. And, uh, you know, that's how you get people being like, ah, Trump has boat parades. He's going to win. And it's like, no, you idiots. Like, get... like. <laughs> Like the point is that it's it's a very online thing and mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard to balance that because you know if you jump off of what people say online you would assume that like everyone just hates the last jedi but that movie was a huge hit it has like a huge rotten tomatoes rating uh you know normal people you know people who aren't lunatics like us don't don't like care about that stuff they're just like it was a movie and that was it so yeah uh, that's a long way of saying that like yeah I mean Last Jedi is a good example Um I don't know I am I, I'm, I'm, I remember for a long time people didn't like Gremlins 2 because it's so goofy and it's such a send up of the first movie but I also feel like time has, has healed that wound and mm. everyone kind of likes Gremlins 2 now so it, I feel like after a while, these things sort of like come around and, and flip. But I, I honestly feel like the last shot is, is the, the biggest example. And I feel like the inverse of that would be like uh Jurassic world Two, which mm. also flips the formula, but which I think is just awful from start <laughs> to finish.
0: Yeah. I don't think that one was particularly loved by critics, but um, yeah. the, the only other thing that I could think of that sort of fits into this, uh, category is On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the James Bond movie. Oh, yeah. um, that one, I just looked it up and it has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and a 64% from general audiences. And, I, you know, obviously Rotten Tomatoes is not the end all be all of all this stuff, but it's just a guideline or a good serviceable guideline for um, for questions like this. Frankly, that's really the only thing I, <laughs> I use Rotten Tomatoes for just to get a very general sense of what's going on. Um, but yeah, that, that Bond movie, I think, is, uh, is a little different than like what general audiences expect from a Bond film. And I think that difference, that differentiality, whatever the word is, uh, is what sort of draws critics to it. So um, that one works pretty well there, I think. Uh, All right, our next one is from uh, Chad from Australia. And he wants to know uh, if there were any films that we had to be dragged to, but then ended up really enjoying. And he lays out an example where there was a period in the 90s where he was not really watching a ton of big budget Hollywood stuff, and somebody asked him to go watch uh, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners, and even though he was definitely not in that mode of watching those movies at that time, he uh, ended up succumbing to the peer pressure and then was surprised by how much he enjoyed that movie. So uh, anything that you can think of, Chris, that you were forced to go to and then ended up really liking?
1: I don't know if I would say, f- I don't think anyone's ever like forced me to go to a movie because I'm a strong independent man damn it no one but um uh i i know there have been examples of this but, like none of them are like springing to mind right now but i also feel like uh, when this happened it happened when i was younger because i've reached a point now where i don't want to say like i'm open to everything but i'm i i feel like i've reached a point where i i've learned enough from watching so many movies that i need to give almost everything a chance like i'm i you know i don't give a shit when a new transformers movie comes right. out or something like that but uh, you know i feel like a lot of people these days are, are and again this is just an online thing so it's probably not the real world but people will be like th- they call things like oh that's so cringe and they'll be talking about how like a movie that shows like the the the, the smallest hint of emotion is is like it's like ah i can't get down with this and it's <laughs> like just just cr- it's like that's such like a like that's how I acted in high school, where I was like, "I'm too fucking cool for this." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all right, here's here's an example, sort of that fits into this. So, uh, it's it's sort of an example, but not really. So I'm sorry for cheating here, but so <laughs> so when Donnie Darko came out, uh, that movie, I don't know if uh, what your thoughts are on that movie, Ben, but when that movie came out, it was a big deal for uh, you know people like me, people who liked like weird, weird. Uh, I'm using underground in quotes because there are movies that are far more underground than this, <laughs> yes. but you know, that movie, it didn't get like a real theatrical release. It did. It was not, it was a box office bomb, but it, it, you know, it had a cult following for, from a home video. And, you know, I discovered it on home media, home video. I'm pretty sure it was on VHS at the time. That's how long ago this was. And I was just like, Holy shit, this is like the, the coolest movie ever. And as I got a little older, I sort of got to this period where I was like, I'm above Donnie Darko. I'm too cool. for Like, that's that's like hot topic cinema. I don't give Mm, a shit about that. mm -hmm. I'm too cool. I'm too adult. That's a movie for teenagers. And uh, thankfully, as I got even older, I was like, what a stupid mentality. And I I actually just recently rewatched it because I don't know if you recall this, Ben, but a few months ago there was a real concern that a uh, a Chinese satellite was going to crash into earth and kill people. Yes. And I was, and I was like, that's kind of like Donnie Darko. So my wife and I were like, let's rewatch Donnie Darko in honor of the Chinese satellite.
0: Let's lean into the potential tragedy <laughs> yes. that's coming.
1: Right. <laughs> and watching it, I was like, God damn, this movie is, is really frigging good. Like it's not perfect. It has its problems, but it's such an inventive movie and the the fact that you know Richard Kelly just went for it and he swung for the fences and he tried something different like give me a million more movies like that than half the shit we're getting today so yeah. like that's not really the answer to the question but that's like the best example I can think of where I I entered a period where I was like oh I'm above that movie and then I thankfully grew out of that and I, that's what I want other people to do too I want you know get over your hang-ups people like just you know
0: yeah yeah i i have a, a similar uh quick story i was watching um while you were sleeping the other day for the first time all the way through i don't know if you've seen that movie the romantic comedy okay um so there's a um uh, one of the supporting characters played uh, the, the mother character, Winifred in Mary Poppins, but she's obviously much older in while, while you're sleeping. Cause that movie came out in like what the, the early nineties or something. Yeah. Um, and my mom is a big Mary Poppins fan. So I texted her and I was like, Hey, this movie that I know you like while you're sleeping, did you realize that this woman was the actress from Mary Poppins? And she's like, Oh yeah. And then she made some comment about like, Oh wow. I can't believe you're watching while you are sleeping. Like that's, you know, out of character for you or something like that. And I was, that's kind of what you're talking about there, where like, you know, when I was in high school or something, I would not be caught dead watching, you know, a a quote unquote chick flick or a a romantic comedy. But now, you know, over the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something, I've just like, basically, I'm just like, give me anything. Like, you know, if it's a movie, I will watch it essentially. Um, So yeah, hopefully uh, people...
1: I had the same experience pretty much with that movie because around the holidays last year, uh, they added while you were sleeping to Disney plus cause it, it technically takes place during Christmas. And yeah, Christmas. I had September. no idea.
0: I was so, I was like actually kind of mad that I just watched it and a yeah. random day in July. I was like, man, I should have saved this for, <laughs> for Christmas. I didn't even know it was right. a Christmas movie.
1: And I had never seen it pretty much for that same reason. Like when it came out, I was, I was yo- probably younger than a teenager. And I was like, that's a girl's movie. Mm-hmm. And around the holidays, um, my wife and I had watched speed because my wife had never seen speed. And after it was over, she was like, man, I want to watch another Sandra Bullock movie. And she was like, Oh, I, you know, while you were sleeping, have you ever seen that? And I was like, no, I have not. So let's watch it. And I watched it and I was like, this is a fucking charming movie. If yeah. only I had, Like, and I don't know, maybe if I had seen it as a younger person, I would be like, that sucked. But mm-hmm. watching it now, I was like, I've been missing out all these years on while you were sleeping.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so to answer or to try to answer Chad's question, uh, a movie that I was, well, <laughs> this actually isn't even answering the question. So, so Chad's question specifically is what films were you dragged to, but then really enjoyed? I can't, think of an example but i can think of a time where i dragged people to see a movie uh when i was in high school um a bunch of my friends and i would just go to the movies and like figure out what we were going to watch when we got there which now i feel like is psychopathic behavior because i would never do that uh but you know we were kids and that was all we had to do basically in our town um and i convinced everybody all my my pack of guy friends to watch the princess diaries because there was a girl that I thought was cute in my high school who happened to show up and say that that was the movie that she was going to see so everyone was pretty furious with me but I actually ended up enjoying that movie so uh that's another charming little uh romantic comedy there so uh okay let's move on to the next one and this is from uh Brayden from Fort Worth Texas he says, uh, he, he's talking about the the Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, um, Red One, that was announced recently, where it's like Santa, oh, yes. Hobbes meets Santa Claus or whatever. Uh, and he, <laughs> says, um, he says, we know Chris Morgan is on board for the script, but Dwayne Johnson recently teased a big directing announcement soon, with Johnson's track record that directing announcement will likely be lackluster, as he likes to work with quote-unquote fine directors like Ross and Marshall Thurber, Brad Payton, David Leach uh in my wildest of dreams christmas action guru shane black would take the reins and return to his red and white roots but that probably won't happen the question is is there an actor that you generally like that always picks bad slash fine directors to work with um do you have any in this category i mean
1: he's the rock is definitely at the top of the list because i feel like i think i mentioned this before i feel like if he would just work with someone who challenges him he can Mm -hmm. probably deliver a really good performance but he just wants to play the rock yeah in movies um, uh man what about you ben do you have there is
0: there's is one that jumped out in, in a huge way to me and that is melissa mccarthy with ben falcone her husband oh my god yes please <laughs> oh yeah he just like, makes really really bad movies and she has so much potential as an actor like almost every comedy that she's in that her husband does not direct i just find her to be super charming and really funny. And, um, it's like a completely different type of experience watching her in, in one of those movies that she collaborates with him on. So, uh, yeah, they need to be stopped.
1: I'm sure they're, <laughs> I'm sure their relationship is great and that's great, but please just, she like, when you watch her in other people's movies, like if you watch her in can you ever forgive me? You're like, Oh my God, what a great actress. Why is she constantly working with her husband? And yeah. uh, I feel like another example would be, um, uh, Adam Sandler. He's like always working basically with his buddies. And then mm-hmm. every now and then he'll, you know, he'll make something with the safety brothers or Paul Thomas Anderson. And you'll be like, where, where has this Adam Sandler been all this time? But yeah. at the same time, he's, you know, he's wildly successful and he likes to use his movies to. As paid vacations. So I can't really yeah. like, I can't knock him. Cause he's found a nice little, little niche there, but I do wish, <laughs> I wish he would work with better filmmakers more often instead of like once every like 15 years,
0: Yeah. The only other one I can think of is maybe, um, Denzel Washington and Anton, Antoine Fuqua, who is like, I would say just a fine director. Um, you know, they, they collaborate pretty frequently, you know, the Magnificent seven that their big remake that they did a few years ago, I just thought was like, okay. And like the equalizer movies, you know, it's fine, whatever. I just wish that Denzel was like, you know, he's getting up there in age. I would love to see him. You know, he, he only has so many more movies in him right now. Hopefully it's, you know, 20 still, but, um, but even that is like a limited pool and I just want, you know, the most from every one of those performances I can get. But Yeah. Well, all we right. got,
1: we got Macbeth coming soon. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm excited about that.
1: Anton Foucault's Macbeth.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that actually, I'm, I might be curious <laughs> to see. Um, all right. So we've had a couple requests uh, via email for the return of Chris's Advice Corner, which a listeners might remember uh, was a segment that we used to do. And I dug up the old theme song from, uh, I think it's called Love Wally, is the, the band that, that created this. So I'm going to play the theme song. Here we go. It's Chris's Advice Corner. It's Chris's Advice Corner. All right, so in Chris's Advice Corner, uh, this email comes from uh, Nicholas E., who is formerly from Chicago Heights, Illinois, and is currently in Chandler, Arizona. He says, hey, everyone, this morning, I just left Illinois to start a new life with a new job opportunity in Arizona. It'll be my first time in 27 years that I'll be away from my family and friends. It's terrifying, sad, and overall makes me worry that I might be making a mistake. I was just wondering if anybody has any advice for getting through all of these overwhelming feelings. Any tips for making new friends as well would be awesome too. Thank you all so much. So Chris, any uh, suggestions or uh, life advice for oh my God, Nicholas E.? I...
1: I know this is my advice corner but I am the worst person to ask on how to make friends because I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm so big with with people um but you know you got to you got to you got to jump in you know I, I don't know I don't know like all the details of the, this person's situation but I you know I think it's very brave to to pack up and leave home and and you know start a completely new experience you know where you're just out of you're out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. uh you know that 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 takes guts to do that and if you're gonna do that you you need to just commit to it and you need to you need to realize that you know i I know people say life is short and it is but life is also very long (laughs) and you have like you're gonna have so many opportunities uh to to just start whole new phases of your life like I've never really, you know, I moved from Philadelphia to New Jersey when I was a kid, and that's like not a big jump. But, you know, there, you know, the person I was 10, 15 years ago, maybe even five years ago, is so different than the person I am today. And that's just because, you know, you're constantly changing. You're constantly evolving. Every cell in your body is constantly so, <laughs> you know, as, as nervous as you might be, as worried as you might be, it, it's, you know, it's it's a brave thing you're doing, and don't don't let that stop you in your tracks. Just just keep on going. And you know, I wish I had better advice than that. I wish I had. You know, here's how you you schmooze and you meet new people, but I I have no idea how to do that. I'm afraid of everyone, and that's why I never leave my house.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't really leave my house that often either. And when I do, I hang out with like my friends that I was friends with in high school who still live around here. So, um, yeah, I would just say in terms of like making new friends, maybe just try to like quote unquote find your people in terms of like finding people who have the same interests. Like if you love movies, maybe there's a movie club or maybe there's like, you know, um, some sort of, uh, discussion group or something that had, that happens. So maybe just like sort of scour the, uh, your local scene and see if there are, um, you know, uh, like small communities that you can sort of insert yourself into and and sort of find people that way. So um, I know that's that's not like the most helpful response, but I also agree that uh, traveling, especially across the country to a brand new thing is a super brave thing. And um, I've always found that that just traveling in general opens up things in a, in a really great way and, and gives you a whole new perspective. So um, at the very least, I think you'll uh, you'll grow and, and, you know, have new experiences that way. So, uh, good luck to you, Nicholas E. Uh, all right. So our final, uh, email here comes from Joey from, uh, DePere, Wisconsin. I'm probably pronouncing the city wrong. Sorry, Wisconsinites. Uh, Joey writes, my fiance and I got a dog about three uh, months ago and she is decently well-trained, but one of her big issues is sometimes she gets upset when we leave her home alone and she'll get into and destroy things. Mostly nothing too important, but still, as a guy with dog experience, Chris, what would you recommend us doing to make her not as upset when we leave? What are some things you do when you leave your dog's home alone? Thanks for any advice.
1: You know, our dogs have gotten better. Um, When we first got our our first dog um, and I was not working from home, we left her out for a while. We left her out on her own. Like my wife and I would go to work and then I'd come home and she would have like been like eating books and she like took a bite out of the wall wow point. so uh we had a crate in it, and i was like i don't want to her because that's cruel because you know I'm a, I'm a i'm a wuss like that and i like animals more than people but you know we we just, were just like all right we have to crate her or else she's gonna fucking destroy the house but mm-hmm. the trick was to put things in the crate that sort of smelled like us like uh a pillowcase or a jacket or stuff mm. like that and uh, I, I don't know if this honestly worked or if she just calmed down because she got used to us, but I feel like that sort of, you know, it associates, like, your smell even when you're not there mm-hmm. and they're home alone. and It's like, all right, I'm... And I also feel like the crate is good, even though, like, like I said, I was like, oh, I feel bad. I, I have heard that dogs sometimes like crates because they like having a spot that's their own. Like, even if you have a crate and you leave it open, you don't lock the gate Mm -hmm. just them knowing they can go somewhere to be safe so that would be my advice my advice is be like get a crate get a big one don't get you know we had a crate that was like twice the size it should have been just Mm because i was i was so afraid of leaving her alone like that Mm -hmm. but do a crate put something in that crate that smells like you uh, and see what happens. And I, I think it, the dog will calm down eventually. And if not send the dog to me, I will gladly raise your dog. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. That's great. So uh, yeah, if you guys have any other questions for uh, Chris's advice corner or just general um, you know, questions for us or uh, future mailbag topics or feedback about any of the news stories that we talked about, you can send those to peter at slash film.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. You can find more about the news stories that we talked about on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps. And uh, don't forget also to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help us out a lot. Tell your friends spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you tomorrow.